0: Hi, and thanks for finding Organic Matters. Uh, You can find me at bruce.dooley.com. You can find me on most all the podcasts, whether it's Apple or Spotify or iHeart, so that I know where everybody's picking me up these days. And I'm on a couple of live radio shows. And of course, if you're in that area, you'll know who I am and where I am. So anyway, I'm going to hit a very easy subject today that I've never just stopped and did in black and white. And I'm going to give you the answer to three common myths about solar energy. I had a heated discussion, at least a long, a, beer, a one beer discussion, it's not really that heated, uh, about this subject with with a man that's finally getting interested. He's finally realizing that that the inevitable is coming, whether it's five years or ten or whatever, Solar and wind are going to control most all the energy that we use at some point. And if we wait long enough, it's going to be by necessity. The right thing to do is to learn now and and be ready when it comes, but... Believe me, when there is finite amounts of fossil fuel. Yes, it's still there, and right now, this is one reason I brought this up. Is we're having—I mean, I'm paying five dollars a gallon right now for gasoline, and in Europe, we think we're doing bad here. Well, we're really doing in better than most cases. I understand Germany eight dollars a gallon, and parts of Europe are nine dollars a gallon. So, if we're approaching five, we've done pretty good job. Uh, It came on us pretty sudden, although we should have been aware of it. But now we have to fight the battle. The COVID situation didn't help us at all. But also, I I wrote to another friend of mine, the real problem with the industry is it's controlled by four or five companies. And when you have a monopoly like that, they can name their prices, whether OPEC and they, they can, they manipulate us. We're at two hundred dollar. I mean, one hundred and twenty dollars a barrel now. We were at one hundred twenty dollar barrel about a year ago, and we were paying almost two dollars less a gallon. Something is uh There's there's a, a, a. What do you call it? A rat in the woodpile somewhere. But we'll, it, it, we'll we'll figure it out. It's going to take time. But if it's it's the problem of not looking ahead, and we're just really not very good at that, especially when it comes to energy needs. There's just no doubt that solar energy is going to play a big role in reducing carbon pollution over time from the whole U.S. electricity grid. It may take a decade, it may take a few decades, but we've got to work that direction. According to a recent report by the U.S. Department of Energy and uh, the affiliated National Renewable Energy Laboratory, solar could in some scenarios potentially deliver more than 40% of our nation's electricity demand in the near future and even a greater amount down the road. A shift that would achieve significant cuts in carbon emission uh, to help turn the tide on climate change. And ultimately, folks, and this didn't used to be a statement I could make, it's going to be less expensive than current fossil fuels if it isn't already. And, you know, in spite of the fact that it's a rising role in the energy system, key aspects of solar power are just poorly understood. I think people say things to me that were just totally untrue. So let's at least take a look at three of the most common myths I've come across. Number one, and this is an ever-changing picture, is solar power is expensive. Actually, in reality, the cost of solar power has dropped dramatically. The generalization that solar power is expensive is really off base in a number of ways now. But the bottom line is it depends on the size and location of the project, number one. And number two, if you'd have said this sentence five years ago, or especially ten years ago, you'd been saying the truth. Now, solar and wind power approach, and in many cases, is less expensive for a given amount of power than fossil fuels or natural gas. Large utility-scale projects, broadly speaking now, in general, are cheap and getting cheaper all the time. In the last fact I could find, the cost of electricity from utility scales solar has fallen over 85% between the years 2010 and the year 2020. In China, India, and most of Europe, it now costs less to build solar than run existing coal-powered plants or natural gas plants. According to this study, 95% of decarbonization of the United States electric grid is achievable by the year 2035 without increasing electricity prices, and it may even make electricity less expensive as advances in technology come along. For individual homeowners right now in the United States, however, installing rooftop solar can still come with a pretty big price tag. Consider, for instance, an average 5-kilowatt rooftop installation which delivers enough electricity to power your home's standard appliances. This common installation rings in at about $15,000 to $20,000 before tax credits, though, or incentives. That's according to where I found it was the Center for Sustainable Energy. Now, as an aside, my brother's on his second power pack, he is fully electric in on his home in Naples, Florida, and actually gets a little check back from the electric company, but basically every month now. In addition to running his entire home, he also has a full-time electric car, and that's charged as part of that system. So, in essence, even gets paid a little bit to charge his own car. And that being said, solar prices have still decreased steadily over this last decade, particularly the residential systems, and the Department of Energy has outlined targets to bring down solar costs by another full 60% within the next five to eight years. Many financing options, such as loans and leases, also exist already to help spread the cost over a longer time. With all this in mind, going solar is like, "Mm, it's gonna help lower energy bills for sure and can even increase your home's value. The Center for Sustainable Energy estimates that the most homeowners now who go solar will earn their money back in as little as six or maybe as many as nine years. But definitely in a 10-year frame, you're, you're catching up. You're getting ahead after that. Rooftop solar may not be right in every scenario. We do realize that. Homeowners need to consider a variety of factors to assess the cost versus a return on investment over time such as current electricity rates and usage, state and local incentives which are changing all the time, financing options and location-specific conditions like the area climate can make a big difference, how much sun exposure you get, how much roof space do you have. Plus, the hardware costs have been really declining across the whole board. And right now, uh, the soft costs, they call them, like getting a permit or getting labor, is actually a little harder to pinpoint than the actual cost of the solar units now. The demand is really out there in spite of uh, what our economy looks like. There's a huge market out there constantly buying our solar and, to some degree, our wind energy now. And do realize, ultimately, though, the more productive question is not necessarily about whether solar is affordable or not. It's more about whether society can afford not to incorporate more of it considering the climate impacts of maintaining a dependence on on our fossil fuel systems. It just cannot, it is not sustainable. A recent solar future study I found anticipates that avoiding climate damages such as agricultural losses, property damage related to severe weather, and improved air quality associated with clean power would more than offset any of the additional societal cost of moving electrical systems off of fossil fuels. The report puts the net savings at at least $1.7 trillion by the year 2015. Now, all that's heard everybody say, solar works only when the sun is shining. And that is true. There is a kernel of truth in that. The sun does indeed shine only during daylight hours, but many solar arrays are now connected to the grid, so any energy the building itself doesn't use during the day automatically feeds back into the grid to support daytime uses for other homes and businesses. What's more, major innovation is really running afoot now in developing batteries that help store excess solar energy for use at night or even on cloudy days. Battery storage is already widely available for home residential use, again my brother has two packs right now, and scientists and engineers are racing to unlock more effective and more cost-efficient means of storing solar power for expanded use, like in commercial and other, of course, kind of utility-sized settings. I do want to say here, though, not every solar myth is rooted in distrust of solar energy. At the other end of the spectrum is the notion that simply throwing solar at our energy problems will solve them all. That myth at this point at least overlooks challenges around commercial-scale storage, access, and recycling. Effective battery storage is still not widely available at a scale needed for optimal commercial use, though there is a real momentum in advancing battery innovation faster than we've ever had. In 2021, the lion's share of energy tech investment went not into the solar panels anymore, but went into the batteries and other energy storage systems. So to kind of cut to the bottom line, before solar can reach its full potential, there's more work to be done on storage and recycling and to make sure that everyone has access to the technology, which just isn't true right now. To tag the end of this portion of the show, I did want to bring up something that I've talked about once before, but I'm really watching it carefully. It's the current studies going on in geothermal energy, which we haven't even counted as part of the system, at least until recently. And the reason this has come along, I'll try to put in a nutshell because it's still in the experimental stages. They have come up with a way to literally bore our way down to the geothermal area of the crust of our earth and there's almost unlimited at least in the future as we see ourselves with human amount of energy down there if we can tap it and the way this method works makes it very feasible like i'll just give you the hint that it has to do with actually boring the well with microwave it's a little bit Confusing till you read into it, it makes perfect sense. And what that does is, as it bores this, let's just say it's a 10 inch hole, I don't care, we'll, we'll make a picture out of it. It also forms its own tube. If that microwave is so hot that it, everything turns into liquid and then sets. And when it sets, you don't have to have all the connections. You don't have to push all the pipes down. Once that thing gets down, in most parts of the earth, it's shallower than six miles. But at 6.2 miles, they claim you'd have geothermal energy almost anywhere you could could bore that deep. Sounds almost impossible now. But with the new technology, we're looking at a power source we've never even been able to consider before. So the future's going to take care of us just... We have to be patient, and we have to do it intelligently. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.